Uh, we uh, just finished an elders retreat. Once a year, the elders kind of take some time away, uh, just a couple days, and uh, we pray, we prepare before we go off, and then we look at uh, the past year, um, what we wanted to accomplish, and uh, then we look at the coming year of what we, we feel the Lord is directing us to, and then we look at three years out and kind of work ideas and plans and prayers of where God would have us go. And uh, we just finished that, that retreat. It was an, um, just an amazing time, really uh, a great time with the Lord. But one of the things that came out of that, and has come of that, out of that almost every year, is prayer. We can do nothing apart from prayer. We can do nothing apart from prayer. Everything that we do and every plan that we make, every strategy that we think is brilliant, every piece and part of the Christian walk and what we do has to be founded and, and built on this trusting in God, this prayer, this crying out that God would come and be God in our midst. Because we can have the greatest strategies and the most amazing plans and the greatest Excel spreadsheets. And it doesn't mean anything if God's not in it, if God's not behind it, if his spirit and his power aren't resting on it. And we just have to go and surrender all of those things to God. So our unifying theme for this year is prayer. Uh, God's word says that his people, his church will be a house of prayer. That's what we want to be at Mission View Church, that we would be known as a church of prayer. And uh, we're really excited about that and moving forward towards that goal, um, not just this next year, but for the rest of the time that we're on this, this earth. That's, that would be the people that we would be. So we're excited about that. When we started a new sermon series last week, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 7. We've been working our way through the book of Mark. We took a short break from that over the summer and did some topical series where we talked about the doctrine of the church and some other things, pretty, pretty good stuff there. But uh, we jumped back into Mark, into chapter 7, and we covered the first, I think it was 13, 14 verses, 13 verses last week. And we're going to be in chapter 7, verses 14 through 23 today. Lastly, last week we looked at um, legalism and the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the religious leaders in Jesus' day. Uh, legalism tries to do what only the gospel can do. Legalism is us trying to earn our salvation. Legalism is this idea that we can do something in and of our own strength, that we just do these three things and we don't do these other three things or four things or five things or 20 or 200 or the law was 613 things. But if we, if we did this and didn't do this, we could somehow add to um, what God calls us to. Legalism leads us to death, not to life. Now, the pride of the Pharisees had convinced them uh, that they could achieve different levels of holiness by their own strength by adding to the 613 laws. They had added to 613 laws. We also talked about our tendency to do the same thing by adding things to the gospel to make ourselves feel like we are holier or better as if uh, we could add anything to the gospel and what it accomplishes in our lives. Today, as we continue in Mark chapter 7, Jesus really digs deeper into the truth of the gospel and addresses one of the specific laws and shows how dealing with sin has to start at 
the heart. And that's our sermon series, Matters of the Heart. Now, the world we live in, I don't know if you've picked up on it or not yet, but the world we live in is full of opportunities for sin. With our culture's rapid moral decline and pervasive relativism, the world has lost any kind of compass or foundation for morality or understanding right from wrong. Uh, But we have a great moral compass in God's word, and we can know right from wrong because of what God has given us in his word. Amen? Let's pray before we read our scriptures today. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We submit to you today in your word. We pray that it would change our hearts and change our minds and change our lives, Father. God, I pray that we would walk out of here different people than we walked in because we have met with our creator and that you have done a work that only you can do, that you would change our hearts. God, change our mindsets, Lord. We surrender to you. God, we confess that we are sinners, but we look to Christ on the cross, the blood that was shed for us, and we find forgiveness in you, Father. So we come humbly and we come boldly to your throne. Come and have your way, Father. God, I pray that you would use me for your kingdom. Give me the words to say. In Jesus' name, amen. In Isaiah 5.20, God's word says this, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter, who call evil good and good evil, I mean, we see that in our world today, right now, where evil is celebrated and good is kind of put down. It's, it's amazing the world that we live in. That was in Isaiah hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And then in 2 Timothy 3, it says, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. This is the world we live in where wrong is right and right is wrong and sin is celebrated. Jesus gets to the heart of the matter today here in Mark. Let's pick it up in Mark 7, verse 13. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. Now, this, this sounds to us as, as pretty simple. Um, things that go into us don't defile us, but what comes out of us defiles us. But this statement that Jesus is making would have been a shocking statement because for hundreds and hundreds of years, the people of God, the Israelites, the Jewish people, were taught in the law that the things that they consume could defile them. But Jesus has come. 
The Messiah has shown up, and what the law couldn't do, grace was about to achieve in the person of Jesus Christ. And what we learn is that the law reveals to us humanity's desperate need for a Savior, that we can't live up to what the law demands. We can't live up to what God's perfection demands. And so he sent his only son to fulfill the law that we cannot do in and of our own strength that we can't achieve. And Jesus achieved the law perfectly. All 613 laws, everything that God commands us, the very perfection and holiness of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus never sinned in thought or deed, and he lived up to the perfection that God demanded. And he did that for you and me. For anyone who would put their faith and trust in Jesus in his perfect sinless life his death and resurrection his blood that was shed for our sins we can have salvation through christ it's by grace through faith in him alone that we are saved this is the beauty of the gospel and and christ comes and and he fulfills the law and we're seeing this massive transition of being under the law to being under grace. And this is a huge challenging statement that Jesus is making. It is not the things outside that come in that defile you. You are defiled by the things that actually come in from inside of you. Your problem with sin isn't the world. Your problem with sin is inside of you. It's in your heart. In verse 17, and when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. Even his disciples were confused. Like, what's going on with this? And he said to them, then you, and then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? Since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled. Now get this, thus he declared all foods clean. Mark thought it important that he put that little parenthesis in there. Thus he declared all food clean. So he's talking about the food that they're eating. There were certain foods that were not to be touched or eaten by the Jewish people, you know, pork and those kinds of things. They were not to eat that. But what Jesus is saying, hold on, that's not what defiles you. What defiles you is what comes out of you, what you're doing, what you're saying. And thus he declared all foods clean. So guys, you don't have to go and sell your smoker, right? You can still use your smokers at home. Praise the Lord. Verse 20, and he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, this is the key. From within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. There is nothing, now I'm going to go back to verse 15, there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. The first filling in your notes is this. We do not sin because of what is around us. We don't sin, we don't mess up because of the things that are around us. Circumstances reveal our hearts. Circumstances don't make us sin. 
Did you follow me on that? Circumstances reveal our hearts. They don't make us sin. All of us are sinners who are sanctified and being sanctified, and none of us have arrived yet. We are all in process. We are all in a place where God is changing us and growing us, and we will be in that process of change until Jesus comes again one day. So I'm I'm talking to people who have put their trust and faith in the work and person of Jesus Christ. If if you haven't done that yet, you're learning about all kinds of new and crazy things today. Salvation and sanctification. Salvation is being saved from our sin and saved to be in right relationship with God. Sanctification is the change that our creator does in us just throughout our lives. It's a journey of Christianity, a journey of change that God is doing in and through us. And, And this is the beauty of of salvation, sanctification, and relationship with God. So it's not the things that, that are outside that defile us. It's not those things out there that make us sin. Have you ever been in that argument before? Maybe with a spouse or a best friend or a brother or a sister or a co-worker? Well, if you wouldn't have done that, well, then I wouldn't have sinned. You know, I wouldn't do this, right? We, we love to point the finger, right? It's like, well, if you wouldn't have said this, I wouldn't have said that. Well, if you wouldn't have hit me, I wouldn't have hit you back. If you want to, it's all the, you know, it's, it's never our fault, right? Let's be honest. It's never our fault. Wait, no, it is our fault, right? We are going to be held accountable for our responses and the things that we do. I always tell people, it's like, uh, when you, there's arguments or different things going on, and, and a lot of times as I'm talking with, with people, a lot of times it's couples, I'll just be honest, right? And they'll come in and, well, if my wife wouldn't have done this, I wouldn't have done that. I'm like, well... I'm sure when you get to heaven and you're at those pearly gates, you know, God will just look down and say, you know what, this guy gets a pass. If his wife wouldn't have said that, he wouldn't have done that. (laughs) Come on in. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. We're going to be held responsible for the responses that we have. We have an opportunity to to respond in righteousness in the way that God calls us to, or we can respond in sin. It's going to be on us. I got angry because the guy in front of me was in the fast lane, and he wasn't going fast. And that symbolic number one I gave on the drive-by was his fault. My kids make me crazy. My husband makes me impatient. No, we're impatient because we're sinners. We're crazy because we're sinners. We're angry because we are sinners. And we need the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Every single one of us. None of us us are beyond this. This entire journey of Christianity, this entire life is growth and change. We never arrive. And just... Personally, I'm just, I'll just be really honest with you. The more I learn about this and the more that God reveals to me, the more I see that needs to be revealed. As God changes me and, and he's, he says, okay, Matt, uh, I'm going to show you this sin in your life. Um, and then God opens my eyes and I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I can't believe I think those thoughts that that's just terrible. God, forgive me for this. And and he begins to change the way I think, or, or maybe it's something I do or whatever, and he starts to change those things, and, and you're just like, praise the Lord, I'm changing, I'm growing, and this is great. And, and then I look back at it, and, and, and I'm just like, oh, wow, there's more. He's not done with me yet. And, and as, I, as I'm 
seeing and God's revealing these things, I'm just like, I'm amazed. And I think that God, he reveals these things to us kind of in bite-sized doses because if he were to reveal our depravity and our sinfulness to us all at once, I think we would just completely come undone. I mean, we would just be puddles on the ground of mush and wickedness. I, I think it's God's grace that he, he slowly leads us and patiently leads us along to righteousness and holiness. And, and I don't know about you, but I, I can look back five years, seven years, three years, ten years back and see where God has worked his sanctification and change in my life. And I am so different than I was 10 years ago. Simple, you know, kind of thing. Like movies that I would have watched 10 years ago and never had a second thought about are movies I look at today and maybe shut off halfway through. I just, my heart has been softened to those things and they just become offensive to me. And it's, just, it's, it's not because I'm some holy, righteous, special person. I am not. I am a huge loser. Like Paul says he was the chief of sinners. I, like Paul, am the biggest sinner of them all, right? Like, so there's nothing special about me, but there is something special about a relationship with our Creator. And all of us have that. And what God is doing is he's, he's saying, listen, I have something more for you. I have something better for you. And those things that you've skated by with for this time, are not, you're not going to be able to do that anymore. He is reeling us in, reeling us in closer to him, closer to him over and over again. He's revealing these things, and he is, he's showing us what he has for us. What is God showing you? What is it inside? And here's, here's the, the really cool thing, is that the law reveals to us our need for a Savior, but it also reveals to us the sins that are hiding in us that we don't see. We don't sin because of what's around us. We sin because of what's inside of us. Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? That's in verse 18. It cannot defile him. This goes along with the scripture that all things are permissible, but not all things are profitable. If we're going to grow in righteousness and run the race as if to win, to work out our faith with fear and trembling, we need to get to the root of these issues. We need to get to the very bottom of it, of, of where these sins come from. If it's not outside of me, it's inside of me, okay, that's a good start. Where do we go from here? We need to get to the root of these issues. And the law the Pharisees were preaching didn't address the root issues of sin. They only addressed fruits, the fruits that were on the tree. And that's the second felon in your notes today. The law doesn't get past the fruit to the root. The law doesn't get past the fruit to the root. How many of you know that you can weed 
and weed all day long, every day, and they will come back in force unless you get down to the root. Anybody? Anybody there? It's the worst. I, I don't know about you, but man, and especially when we have long times where there's no rain, it just seems like weeds are the only thing that will grow, right? And I mean, sometimes you got to get the shovel out, you got to dig and dig and dig and dig and finally get down to the, the very root, and then you, well, then you got to water, then you got to put the weed killer on, and then you got to put fertilizer on for the stuff that you want to grow. It's a lot of work. But we need to get to the root. It's, um, this is what it looks like to address sin with a list of things to do apart from gospel motivations and the grace of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's just like trying to grab a root, trying to grab a weed and pull it out and not get to the root of the things. Our world sells us on this, though. Our world sells us on addressing fruit in our lives. It, they call it behavior modification. And it sells us on behavior modification. It has no, it's, it's, they have no need for or understanding of true heart change. It is just don't do this, don't do this, stop eating that, stop doing this, stop saying that. Have you guys ever, there's a hilarious, I think it's like old Saturday Night Live sketch, and it's this counselor, he brings this couple in. And this counselor, these, these couples going through their whole thing and all their problems and everything like that. And, you know, they share everything, and he's making notes, and he's looking intently at them, and you see this whole thing. And finally he speaks, and you're waiting on this deep wisdom that's going to help solve their marriage problems. And he just says, stop it. Stop it. Just stop it. And then the couple talks a little bit more, and they say, well, they do this. And he goes, no, just stop it. Just stop it. Well, I'll tell you what. There's a lot more to it than just stopping it, Right? There's difficult things, and, and really what Jesus is getting at, what Jesus is giving us here, are keys to change, keys to sanctification. I mean, you can count to 10 all day long, and you're not going to see lasting change in the anger problem you have in your life. Behavior modification, apart from the gospel, is putting a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. You may hide the bleeding and infection for a minute or two or a month, or two, but underneath the infection is growing and infecting every part of the body and will kill you secretly and slowly. I had a friend one time who um, wanted to stop smoking. He'd be coming, coming to church for a long time. God was doing a lot of changes in his life as he'd given his life to the Lord. And I mean, he just, he was like, I just, I want to stop smoking, you know? And so he was working through this. I mean, he tried everything. He was doing the gum stuff for a while. He got hypnotized. He was doing all this crazy stuff, you know? And I remember, I hadn't seen him in a couple months, and he comes, and he, he's talking to me. He's like, I did it, man. I, I am not smoking anymore. This is great. I'm like, that's awesome. High five, right? And then I'm just like, how'd you do it? He goes, well, I'm chewing tobacco. I chew tobacco now. I'm like, are you kidding me? He's like, yeah, man, I don't smell like smoke or anything. I'm like, what are you doing? What are we doing, right? It would sound silly to us, but that's, that's how sin works in our lives. If we don't get to the root of the sin issue in our lives, it will manifest itself in another way in another part of our life. Sin is pervasive, and it, it destroys every area of our lives. And if you don't get to the root, that that weed is just going to work its way out in some other area or some other addiction or some other sinfulness in your life. We have to get to the very root of the issue if we're going to grow and change. 
Now we're getting somewhere in the battle against sin in our lives. We've learned we, we can't correct our sin problem with the law. The law just reveals our sin problem. We see that the problem's not outside of us, it's inside of us, and we know that we have to get down to the very roots of what it is. Look at verses 21 through 23. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. The third feeling is this, gospel grace addresses the root issues. Gospel grace addresses the root. We don't need behavior modification, we need heart modification. Go ahead and write that down. We don't need behavior modification, we need heart modification. And heart modification begins and ends with the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ. God is after your heart. That's what this means. God is after your heart. God wants to give you new motivations, new purpose, new goals, righteous motivations, God-centered goals, and his purpose for your life and sanctification. That's what God is after, complete change. When we address sin with behavior modification, the sin that is not truly dealt with manifests in other areas like we just talked about. God takes dealing with sin from a radical, holistic approach. And I'm not talking about going vegan or using essential oils. He has a radical, holistic approach. Get this. God doesn't ask us to change. He asks us to die. God doesn't ask us to change. He asks us to die. This is a ground-up, 100% paradigm-shifting change. It's not a renovation. It's a tear-out-the-old-foundation-and-start-from-scratch death. We see it in Romans 6, verses 1 through 7, that says this, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we, who died to sin, still live in it. Did you catch that? How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. This is it. This is the key to conquering sin in our lives, to killing sin in our lives. We have to realize that we are dead to sin. That like Christ, when he died, our old man, our old woman died with Christ. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Now get this, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin for one who has died has been set free from sin. Did you know that you died? 
at salvation, when we put our trust and faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ, we are going through a spiritual death. And that old man, that old Matt, died on the cross with Christ. And when I was raised up, it was a new Matt with a new heart and a new life and a new purpose and new motivations in Christ. And you have that. Dead men don't make choices for sin. We can't choose sin anymore. We're dead to it. It's dead to us. And we're alive to Christ and to righteousness. We can say no to sin because it, we are dead to it. We are dead to sin because our old self died with Christ. Dead men don't choose sin. We're dead to it. We are free from the chains of sin. We're no longer enslaved to sin, it says. This is the beauty. This is the beautiful picture that baptism gives us. As, as the, the person goes under the waters of baptism, it is a picture of their old self dying with Christ, going under the water. And then as they come up out of the water, they are raised to new life in Christ. Not a slave to sin anymore, but a slave to Christ in his righteousness. What a beautiful picture that is. And we miss it, I think we just miss it so much when we see baptism. And that's one of the reasons we celebrate baptism as a church family together. That we, in looking and watching our brothers and sisters in Christ be baptized, are remembering our baptism. That the old man has died and the new man is now alive in Christ. But that death, that crucifying of the flesh, continues to happen as we walk out this journey with Christ. And as I say no to my flesh, and I say yes to God's call on my life and his purposes for my life, I am crucifying, I'm killing the old sinful man. I pick up, we pick up our cross daily and we follow Christ and what he's called us to. I think a big problem that we have when dealing with our sin is we tend to get the cart before the horse. We look to what we need to do and what we need to correct. The actions we need to stop and the prevalent sins we see in our lives and we just try to stop it. What the Bible teaches us is that we need to run to the one who can empower us to stop it, who actually does the work of stopping it in our lives. We get the cart before the horse. Here's what I mean. We love to grab a Band-Aid because they're quick and easy, and we have them in our medicine cabinet, but the bullet wounds of our sin don't need a Band-Aid. They need the great physician. I thought that would get a big amen. <laughs> I got just one over here. Somebody's following. Do you see what I'm saying? We get the cart before the horse. We have problems in our lives. We have addiction issues. We have other issues. We have all kinds of sin issues coming up everywhere. And we see that sin, and we're just like, oh, I'm just going to deal with this. Because right here, this is, it's this little black box. I'm just going to work on this right here. And I'm just going to open it up. Okay, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to move this and do this. And that's, this is it. This is, and the next thing we know, the only thing I'm thinking about is this little black box and the sin in my life. It's almost as if I'm worshiping it. I'm kneeling before it. It's got my heart, it's got my mind, it's got my energy, it's got my time, 
everything. I mean, I've got it as my entire life. My calendar is built up around it so that I can avoid it, not do it, deal with it, and just put a closed, closed box on it. And then when I'm done, I'm like, oh, I'm such a good person. I'm like, I'm like right up there with Jesus. Did you see that? When, I, when, 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 when we do that, that's what I'm talking about, putting the cart with a horse. When we have sin in our lives, when God reveals these things to us, we have to run to the great physician and say, God, help me. God, I need you. There's, there, there's no list of things I can put in my life. There's no accountabilities I can put in my life that are going to change my heart. It is only Christ and him crucified, the true revelation of that, the deep revelation of his blood that was shed for my sin that sets me free from sin. That's the truth and the beauty of the gospel. Now, I, let me just be clear. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have accountability in your life. You need accountability. I need accountability. We all need accountability. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a list of things that you set aside. I'm just saying go to God first. Go to him first. Spend hours and hours and hours in prayer. Spend hours and hours and hours and days upon days in worship. Spend hours and days and months in his word. And then, as he's revealed himself to you and he's broken your heart with your sin, then make a list by the guiding of his spirit and walk those things out. It's living life in the shadow of the cross that we find true freedom from the sins that entangle us up. And it takes the powerful working of the Holy Spirit to reveal the depth and depravity of our sin that sets us free from it. Friends, our hearts have to be broken. At salvation, the Bible says that he takes out a heart of stone and puts in a heart of flesh that is sensitive and soft to his word and his truth. But it just seems like over time that, that soft heart that he places in us becomes hardened by the things that we see and the things that we do and the thoughts that we have. And we need to be taken to the cross again and to see our Savior brutally beaten, mutilated, and murdered. His blood that was shed for that lie that I told, for that sinful action that I did. And it's in that powerful Holy Spirit revelation of the grace and mercy of a perfect and holy God that we find forgiveness. It begins and ends at the cross. Look what Paul says. Look what God says through Paul in Galatians 3, 1 through 3. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? 
Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Are you following what he's saying here? It begins and ends with the cross. But we, we have been brainwashed by this world to think that we just do things, right? Like do this, do this, do this, you'll get this, 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 and this. And that's legalism, that is not gospel. But that is, that is kind of what we've grown up with, what's been in, in, in just engraved into our minds. And, and the gospel is the exact opposite and God wants to convince us of this over and over again, is that God loves you. And you may be sitting out there thinking, no, 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 Matt, you don't, understand. <laughs> you don't know me, man. You don't know what I've done. You have no idea. God doesn't love me. Let me just tell you this. God loves you. There is no sin that you have committed that is more powerful than the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. There's no thought, no sinful, wicked, depraved thought that you have had, sinful thought that is more powerful than Christ crucified for you. Amen. And he loves you. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son to die for us. That is the love of God for you in the person of Jesus Christ. We need a revelation of that kind of love. So many people want to get their life put together before they come to Jesus. And Jesus is like, hey, nice try. It's not going real well. I've watched you. I've seen you. You can't do it. But he can. That burden that you've been walking with, that struggle that you've had, that weariness that is deep in your soul, find freedom from it in Jesus right now. For some of you, that is salvation. You've been trying to be a good person. That's why you're here at church today. You thought you'd come and get a little bit of Jesus or just check the box. And Jesus is saying, no, I'm calling you to die, to give your life to me every minute, every day for the rest of your life. Put your trust in my perfection, not your own. Only my perfection achieves what God demands. Some of you are working out your own sanctification in your own power apart from the Spirit, what you started in the Spirit and the Word and the truth of God revealed to you by God the Holy Spirit, you think you can accomplish in and of your own strength, and you've been carrying a burden that was never meant for you to carry. And he's saying, no, no, no. Come to me. Throw away your list first and come to the Savior, and then he's going to give you a new list. Empowered and motivated and strengthened by his actual work in and through your lives. We don't fight this battle with our own strength and list. We fight this battle on our knees before Jesus at the cross. All who are weak and weary come to him. His yoke is easy and his burden is light, and he calls you to himself even right now. Let's go before the King of Kings in prayer.
Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And we acknowledge right now that our problem isn't outside, around, out, around us, before us. It is inside of us. Oh God, we need you. And we need more of you. Every day, God, your word says that your mercies are new every morning. So God, we pray for those new morning mercies. That fresh revelation of grace and kindness and goodness but also, God, we ask for the sting of the revelation of the sin that is inside of us. God, by the power of your spirit, open our eyes that we would change, that we would lay down those old things, that we would put to death the old man and put on the new man at the cross of Jesus Christ. Come and do what only you can do in and through our lives as we surrender to you and your work. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's go ahead and stand as we sing our closing song today.